0: This episode of the Raider Take Podcast is brought to you by Rise Collective Salon. Rise Collective is a company brought together by two friends who had a vision of bringing you high-end service with a friendly hometown atmosphere. Whether you're wanting a simple type fade like Josh Jacobs, stylish cut like Foster Moreau, or something unique to you like Henry Ruggs, Rise Collective Salon has you covered for all your game day cuts. Located at 760 Camino Ramon in Danville, Rise Collective adheres to the highest standards of cleanliness and sanitation so you can be sure your visit will always be handled with your safety in mind. Visit RiseCollectiveDanville.com to book an appointment with Deanna or Ashley. Once again, the website is RiseCollectiveDanville.com. Rise above the competition.
1: What we do here is go back, 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 back.
0: So why do I say all that? It's because Tom Brady is a wizard or a magician or some type of warlock. Welcome, everybody, to the Raider Take Podcast. I am Micah McDonald. With me, as always, is Andy McDonald. Boy, do we have a hell of a week leading up to Tampa Bay. It's going to be quite interesting. Uh, We got plenty to talk about on that front, which I think we'll we'll touch on beforehand. Before we get into everything, we will be starting with this week's breakdown first. Uh, We're going to give you guys that ahead of time. Um, First thing in the segment, uh, I'm going to break down the... Tampa Bay offense versus the Raiders defense, and he's going to break down the Raiders offense versus Tampa Bay defense. We're going to get into our mortar locks of the week. Hopefully, we both can have somewhat of a uh, you know good selection this week, and then we're going to get into some listeners' questions after that. So, I think the uh, the best the best route to go at the moment is kind of touch on the things that have happened as of lately. So. I'll just kick it over to Andy. He can kind of give you all a, a little rundown of uh, what the Raiders are experiencing this week starting on their first Monday back.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of wild. I mean, it's first of all, good to be back. Good to be back on a week where we're actually playing a game on Sunday. So first and foremost, that's exciting. Um, we got something to look forward to, but kind of, um, you know, through in the plans a little bit. So just for everyone, if, if you were not aware, Raiders were um, scheduled to play Sunday night. Um, primetime against the Bucs. Um, Bucks are traveling to Allegiant Stadium. Um, home game Sunday night is going to be a good good time for us, um, good time for us to come back off of our bye week, off of the big win against the Chiefs. Um, what ended up happening was is um, Trent Brown got put on the COVID list, which basically means he either had a positive test or was in close contact with someone who had symptoms. Um, so because of that, so the COVID protocols have have they started in the beginning of the year and have evolved as more information has come down. So there have been added protocols and there have been added recommendations. So when a certain team gets in this these situations, they are recommended to reach out to the league and say, hey, this is what's going on. What's the best course of action as it can impact not only the team's availability, but also scheduling, um, different things like that, that the NFL has to work on dealing with the networks and, and getting the games lined up. That's why you've seen some weird early Monday games or like a Tuesday game at, you know, whatever, two o'clock on the West coast. So, so there, there is protocols that happen with that. So what ended up happening on on the Raiders end is that Trent Brown came down, um, you know, whether once again, positive test or he was in close contact with someone. So because of that, the Raiders put him on the COVID list, alerted the league and the league is now recommending anyone in close contact with Trent Brown, from the um, organization should be sent home and and deemed as high risk and should take the mandatory five days of isolation and right. So not being exposed or not exposing themselves to other individuals um, on the team or in the organization. So because it was a bye week it was unique, you know, and and, then that meant that they had to figure out who Trent Brown was around and who he was associating himself with, which happened to be the Raiders um, starting offensive line group. And also Jonathan Abram. So maybe close friends, who knows? Maybe they hung out, maybe they were in contact with each other during that period of time. So because of that, the other four remaining offensive linemen on the starting had to then be sent home on Tuesday. When they were sent home, Abram was sent home as well. Basically, if you talk about the five-day isolation period that technically started Monday um, because they were reporting to they were reporting to Vegas and then they were sent home from there. So Basically, what you're dealing with then is is five days from Monday, which technically means they are still able to take tests daily, isolate themselves, which it sucks because they're not a part of the game plan. They're not able to practice. They're not able to participate. They can do virtual things, to my understanding. Um, They can still do film, study, things like that, but they aren't able to participate in the on-field actions. They will be eligible to participate Sunday if they produce the negative tests in the oncoming days, right? So if they test negative Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, cleared Sunday. So the reason the NFL did that is because they had a primetime game, which it's not only, you know, you're sending out crews um, for the Raiders and the Buccaneers, but you're also sending out, you know, Sunday night football team to do, you know, weekend interviews, things like that, that they always produce on Sunday, for the telecast and that it it just seemed a little ambiguous. It seemed like a little, it it seemed like something that could potentially be rescheduled because the risk involved is basically if in that coming time, in in the time between Tuesday and Sunday, if there is another positive test, there's a good chance that the Raiders Buccaneers game will be rescheduled or flexed again to Monday night or Tuesday. So I think it's a good thing. Um, I think it's something that We might play Sunday at one o'clock if there's a hiccup in the testing or protocols, more so based off of the risk of having the game, not necessarily like, Oh, poor Raiders. You can't have your offensive lineman out there, but we got to play the game. It's more about the risk involved with getting the teams together and then joining collectively to have the game. Um, They want to eliminate that. So the NFL doesn't give a shit about (laughs) whether your team is, Prepped enough, whether they have enough on-field practice or anything like that, it's more about what's the risk in taking a 53-man organization and another 53-man organization and combining the two to then play a game. That's what they're dealing with. So right now, the Raiders are and the Buccaneers are slated to play at one o'clock, one o five, on the West Coast time Sunday afternoon. But there there could be a chance in the next day or two. We're obviously recording this Thursday night. This will come out to you guys Friday. Um, there's a chance that if something happens between those times, that this game could be flexed to the earlier part of Monday or a Tuesday game. So that's my take on it. And, you know, it was a lot of news kind of coming in and a lot of sources, a lot of, this is what we hear, this is what we, it might happen, whatever. There's a lot of ambiguity in the air right now, but to my understanding, that's what's going on. And they're still slated to play Sunday afternoon. My hope is that they are able to, isolate. They're able to have negative tests. Trent Brown is able to be cleared. The whole offensive line is able to be cleared. Jonathan Abram can be cleared and we can play a game Sunday. If not, it get flexed to Monday night or Sunday night. The reason I wouldn't want that is, is cool. Not cool. I mean, it's, it's fun to play on primetime, but anytime you play a Monday night game and you have a Sunday night game after that, or even Tuesday night, which is even worse. You have the, the that's the chance of we have one less day, two less days of even being able to either have a day off or get into our game plan, and that's not advantageous for anyone. So that's my take on it.
0: I get anything to add there? Yeah. So um, what's shitty is that amongst all of this happening, amongst the things that are coming out, like you said, people hear one thing, they report one thing, you know, their sources tell them other things. Word was, is that potentially Trent Brown wasn't wearing his monitoring system, which every player has a monitoring system that kind of tracks where they go. I think it like registers temperatures and and does a bunch of stuff that can kind of let you know what's going on. But supposedly he wasn't wearing that regularly. And apparently this situation could have been a lot easier and a lot smoother on the Raiders side of things if, in fact, he had been wearing it because they could really pinpoint who was like actually around him, who was like for sure, like in a very short proximity of him to potentially be higher risk enough. I think they look at it and they say, okay, well, Oh, and all on top of that, there was word that potentially a video of the offensive lineman hanging out without masks on uh, has surfaced or, or will potentially surface. Essentially. I think they're looking at it and saying, okay, offensive lineman, whether they, they hung out over the break or whether they got together You know, that first day in a film room or something, it's like these guys are potential high risks. And so the fact that there was kind of like those little protocols like broken and and like he wasn't being, you know, consistent wearing his monitor and stuff like that. It just adds a whole nother like shitty wrinkle into the things of like it sucks that it happens, but also it's such a Raiders thing to be on an even more extreme version when there could have been a less severe version of it. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, I don't know.
1: I agree, man. And, and, and it's frustrating because like, I think there's, there's two sides, right? There's like the, the side of like, man, these guys have played in the league for so long. And and the bye week is traditionally where you can go, go on vacation or you can go take some time off and you can be with friends and family. And, and, but this is just a different year. It's a different year where you have to respect other protocols. So you could be like, Hey, I get it. It's tough or whatever. But then there's also a side of like, dude, like 31 other teams are abiding by this. 31 other teams are are factoring. So I agree with you what you're saying. Like that's frustrating because like, dude, there are clear instructions. I guarantee they're over communicating. (laughs) Right. I guarantee they're over communicating about what needs to happen, when it needs to happen, how you should go about certain situations and what to avoid. And at the end of the day, there there's, a lot of hearsay there's a lot of what Trent Brown did or what he exposed himself to or whatever, you know, it's like, but all we can deal with right now is the facts um, and and that's what we're going to assess. And there's also the shitty side of what could have easily just been a a Raiders kind of, you know, kicking themselves a little bit. And, and, but we're gonna have to deal with that. Once again, the the NFL is not going to just say, Hey, you know, sucks that all four of you are starting off in slime and, you know, we're associated with him. So we're going to give you a pass and, and extend it to Monday. They're not going to do that. They're going to say, if it's unhealthy to play Sunday, we're going to extend it to Monday. But if it's healthy to play Sunday, I could care less if you guys got your reps in, you know what I'm saying? Like it's one of those things where they're, they're going to be understanding to an, to an extent, but it's all based around health and safety with it. And I think that's how it has to be.
0: It's, yeah, definitely.
1: It's easy for, for you and I to be like, this is BS dude. like, I can't believe, like, are we really going to trot out a either a second string offensive line team or an offensive line group that hasn't practiced you know whatever good part about that is if they do get cleared this this offensive line itself has practiced played together for the last two years and i feel good about them still showing up sunday but it's yeah. a bad situation it's not a situation yeah. you want to be in so that's where we're at it's it's the most up-to-date you know news that we have it's something that we need to address because it does impact the game but you know that—that's my feeling, dude. And it's—it sucks regardless, but you got to deal with it. You got to accept yeah. what it, you did.
0: It's just like—it's just like when they say, like, whoa, the team's been so injured." It's like, well, everybody deals with injuries, and as much as it sucks, you know, that's—that's that's, you deal with that. You know, those are the cards you're dealt, and you just got to kind of roll with it. And like you said, this is a completely different year than anybody's than anybody's ever had to deal with, let alone 53 man rosters across 32 teams trying to reel all that in. So, yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I think so. I just want to touch on that. You know, obviously, big thing in the news right now. Big worry uh, definitely impacts, you know, your feeling going into this game. If we can't have one of the you know better lines in the NFL out there to protect car and open up lanes for Jacobs. But nonetheless, um, I think we should uh, just jump into the breakdown. Um, I will uh, I'll kick it over to you to start us off. You got the Raiders offense versus the Buccaneers defense. And uh, give us a look at how they match up.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it was a tough matchup to begin with, you know, and I think we have to just briefly address the fact that we don't know what's going to be out there. So if we play Sunday, we don't know if we're going to have our starting offensive line. We don't know if it's going to be pushed, whatever. Right. So going into it it is already a tough matchup. If you look at the strengths and weaknesses of the Tampa Bay defense, the strength starts with the front seven. It starts the front four, front five. Their D line is, is one of the best in the league. So yeah. Haven't been able to run on them. Um, the, the league hasn't been able to run on them. Um, they do a great job of controlling the line of scrimmage, penetrating, um, staying in a lane, being disciplined. Um, and then also incorporating the front seven, which is their, their backers essentially. So that's Levante David, that's Devin white. Those guys fly around the field. They were, so Levante David was one of the first, but you know, when they drafted Devin white, he was the, this is where the NFL is going. This is where new age defenses are going to adapt to offenses. So historically it's been your middle linebacker is probably has a cowboy collar, right? Probably is wearing, you know, the number 55 and he's standing in the middle and he's pointing his toes forward and he's playing downhill.
0: Basically the boss,
1: Mm -hmm. basically Brian Bosworth, (laughs) but not anymore. That's not how the NFL is. It's a lot more East to West. What I mean by that is sideline to sideline guys that can run and chase guys that can cover the field that's where the NFL is going. So Levante Davis started that, they drafted Devin White, and those guys track, trace, cover anyone, everyone. They can also fill, they can also stand up guards and tackles in the tackle box and be able to you know, engage, shed, and make a tackle. So that's where the strength starts with the Tampa Bay defense. We're going to have a tough time even with our starting offensive line if they're out there. It's going to be a hard task for us regardless. So that's what the strength is. I would say, if you take a look at their secondary, it's really the only, you know, other positioning group that you can just say is a weakness, right? So they're not, they're not a bad secondary, but it's the weaker part of their defensive group. So, you know, they did have a good day last week with a pick six, another pick off Aaron Rodgers, who hadn't thrown a pick until last week, but I would I would argue that a lot of that was based off of the pressure internally that the defensive line was able to give and Rogers kind of on that pick six, he stared down Devontae Adams the whole time. Sorry. I'm going to retract a little bit. What happens is if you can get that much pressure, you can a either just play man and hope that you don't get beat, or you can just be a little bit more conservative and sit in zone, sit in zone and trust that your defensive line is going to get pressure. That's what they did. So Man, I forgot that dude's name. Sheard, uh, he's, he's a second-year guy, but he just sat in cover three. But he did cover three press. So he pressed Devontae, sat back, and he knew he he had help. He didn't have to fall for a double move. He was just going to sit there and read Aaron Rodgers. So when you're in zone as an outside corner, you can sit and just stare down at the quarterback. When you're in man, you have to read and react to the receiver, right? So he just stuck there looked at Rogers, there's a third and eight, which how many times have you seen Aaron Rodgers just throw a quick little out for nine or 12 yards that gets the first down. And you're like, dude, you knew they were whatever, right? But if you're in man, you have to respect the fact that there is a double move. There's something like that. So he sat on that and just read at Aaron Rodgers, stared down Devonte Adams the whole time, knew he had help. So he didn't have to worry about a double move because he's going to kick it over to the safety if that's happened, you know, and he just jumped it. So those guys can be disciplined in the system. I do think that if we're able to sustain the pass rush a little bit, they are susceptible to big plays. They were last year. They are this year as well. So I think the secondary is an issue for them. Um, And I think once again, we're addressing the offensive line um, availability on our end. So you have to be able to, got to be able to move these guys, right? And so as we, you know, if we're going to shed away the fact that like they're going to be there, they're not going to be there. I think like, can we establish the run? Is that going to be something we can do? Because if not, we're pretty one-dimensional. Are we more more well-equipped this year to handle that than last year? Yeah, we have more options. We have Jacobs in the past game, better Darren Waller. We have more options with Henry Ruggs. Renfro's coming into his own. Nelson Aguilar, Say Jones. We have players. I think Brian Edwards is questionable, right? But I don't think we're talented enough to be one-dimensional. So how we establish a run is going to be critical. I don't think it's going to be one of those things where Gruden gets into his own and just says, Billy, well, man, I'm just going to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball. He's not going to do that. He's not, we're not going to be able to, because if, if that's the case, we're going to be in third and seven a ton, you know? So I think what we're going to have to do is be, we're going to have to be unique. We're going to have to get in different sets. We're going to have to get in 21 personnel. We're going to have to get in 12 personnel, 11, just, just completely, you know, stretch them from a schematic standpoint and then we're also, I I would, I would encourage John Gruden, if you're listening, start with tempo, who cares, start with tempo and get these guys going. The D line is the strength. So get them tired, get them running, get them early. Right. And so if we can be aggressive, if we can be in tempo, if we can show that when they do substitute, we can substitute to another grouping. I think that's going to allow us to then be more creative, catch them off guard. Another thing to at least keep in mind is think of traditional play action, right? We'll say 21 personnel. So we have two tight ends, one back. You know, we do the stretch play DC. Ah, I'm going to do the noise again. DC goes, ah, and he stretches out there. And he pulls at the last second. And then he takes three more steps in his drop. Can't do that. Okay. Yeah, it's going to have to be something that's quick showing. Ooh, get off of it. Quick rhythm throws, right? So I think we're going to have to, once again, when we talked about the Saints team, it's very similar, very tight and sound. On, on the front five, but they do have some gaps in the middle. We might be able to take advantage of whether it's Devin White or Levante David getting a little bit too aggressive in in, in the run game if we show it quick and then being able to catch them over the top, play between the numbers, play within the uh, the hashes. I think if we can establish tempo, quick rhythm, and we can stay aggressive. And what I mean by aggressive is take the shots, right? Take the shots to stretch them. If you, if you watched a whole game like, it, sorry, when you're watching the game, it's hard to recognize when you watch the game back and you realize, you know, that was second and four and we took a shot and it was incomplete. That sucks. You're watching the game. You're like, man, that sucks. And now it's third and four. And then we completed or whatever. Right. We don't. When you actually watch the film back, you'll see the fact that you took a shot on second and four impacts that drive and the next drive and the drives to come. Right. So it shows that we are able to get out of our element a little bit and show something that they may have not. Stressed on, and it will allow those early down conversions or early down six or seven yards for curl routes, short slants, whatever it is, because there's that threat of what we can do or what we've shown. So, when I say be aggressive, it's not just like, hey, do you mind hitting Henry Ruggs on a 70 yard bomb? Please do that. It's not that. It's like, show that you will be aggressive, show that you're not afraid of this, you know, show that you're not afraid to attack. And if you can attack, whether it's positive or or null and void, you can still then stretch them in the later round. So I think we have to be run the tempo, you know, we have to be versatile with our groupings and we also have to be aggressive early. All the reason I say is we have to be early on that. And if we can be early on that, then we can finally get into our rhythm in our zone, be able to attack. So I would, I would imagine that they, they have a plan for Waller. Everyone and their mother has a plan for Josh Jacobs and that's shown Everyone's going to crush on his yards per carry, this, that, and the other. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with his 3.4 yards or whatever per carry because the fact that like they were doing that because they wanted to eliminate it and we adjusted and we're three and two. So we've won 60% of the games that we played. I'll take that. So I think it's, it's important once again, when do we incorporate Jacobs, how we incorporate him it is something where we're going to have to establish a little bit early and then we're going to have to pick and choose our matchups accordingly. So I think it's important for us to run some tempo, be aggressive, take some shots early and and then stretch that defense to where they can't just say, Hey, we're going to rely on our front five, front four, and and we're going to sit in coverage. We're not going to do that. Like we have to be able to take shots. We have to be able to sustain that pass rush. It's going to be off quick play action. It's going to be off quick rhythms. I think we have a chance. So I I probably talk about this for the next 20 minutes. I'm going to stop. What are your
0: thoughts? Raiders D Tampa. O? Well, all of what you said I completely agree with, um, I actually wrote an article recently for just blog baby. And there was three X factors, offense and defense. And a lot of the offensive side of things y'all can go read it. I'm not going to spoil it, but a lot of it was like being unique with things. Like you said, scripting plays, keeping them on their toes, getting that defense guessing and all that kind of stuff. So, Completely agree with everything you you said on that play action kind of side of things. Wouldn't be surprised if we saw a lot of RPO-ish type things where we're doing play action at a shotgun. So he can fake it, hit somebody really quickly and whatnot. And and uh, you know, touching on the on the side of taking the shots kind of thing, those second and four deep shots that if it's even if it's incomplete, that's the kind of play that opens up henna renfro on a slant because they softened up a little bit and we get that third and four. So completely agree with all that. Um going into Raiders defense versus Tampa Bay offense. Um, I'm going to get into a little bit of a history lesson for for you to start off, so bear with me, okay? Do your thing. It is kind of surrounding the the oddness of uh, things that tend to follow Tom Brady, and this is what I mean by that. 1977 through 1994, a young Tom Brady lived in San Mateo, California. Within that time frame, the 49ers drafted Joe Montana, went on to win five Super Bowls, and in 1989, the Oakland A's won a, a World Series. We're not going to say who they beat, by the way. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. It doesn't matter. They just no, they, they won. Yeah, it's irrelevant. They won, it was like the Mets or someone. It's yeah. called it the Mets. Someone. When a young Tom Brady moved to uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, between 1995 and 2001, he lived out there going to college at Michigan. Within that time frame, the Detroit Red Wings won four Stanley Cups, and Michigan won a national championship. After that, he was drafted by the New England Patriots, where they started out probably the best dynasty in NFL history, winning many Super Bowls. On top of that, mixing in the Red Sox, uh, won four different Super Bowls or four different World Series, including breaking the curse of the Bambino. The Celtics and the Bruins also won championships within that time frame. And now, in the year of our COVID 2020, Tampa Bay Lightning go on to win the NHL Stanley Cup, and the Tampa Bay Rays are currently battling the Dodgers in the World Series. So why do I say all that? It's because Tom Brady is a wizard or a magician or some type of warlock because championship teams follow him wherever he goes. And it doesn't make sense, but we're not just playing against another another NFL team. We're playing against witchcraft this, this weekend too. So that was a lot touching on it. I'm, I'm going to stop satire.
1: That was incredible. <laughs> I, I, had, I had no idea about any of those facts. You're a wizard, Brady. I, yep. I would say that that's what Hagrid would say. You yeah. Know? You're a wizard.
0: Bride-y. Hagrid would actually say that. So touching on um, more things that are um, real world related, the Buccaneers have a very good offense. This game is, is a uh, revenge game of sorts for John Gruden, not only a revenge against uh, against this old team, but against Tom Brady and that tuck rule. So it's got a little extra juice on the Raiders' side of things. But they got a lot of weapons out there. They got Mike Evans. They got Chris Godwin at receiver, Hall of Famer and in, in Rob Gronkowski coming over with Tom. And then they also got Ronald Jones, who has been showing out lately as uh, at running back. So their offense has a lot of weapons around it. They've been really efficient and really good lately. Evans and Godwin have combined for 472 yards and seven touchdowns which granted uh Evans has six of those touchdowns but hell of a duo nonetheless. Ronald Jones is coming off of three straight 100-yard games where he had 113 yards and two touchdowns against Green Bay last week, completely balled out. And Gronk even though he's starting off slow, he's been very efficient, averaged about 13 yards of reception lately. So they are their offense is really good. They are Right there with, uh, I think actually both the Raiders and Tampa Bay are ranked in the top 10 for points scored per game. So luckily we're we're at six and they're at eight. So luckily we're ahead of them, but um, they got a great offense and it's going to take a lot for our defense to try to slow them down and match up with them. First and foremost, we need Drayvon Mullen to have a shutdown game. The problem with having two really good receivers is that your best corner cannot cover both of them at the same time. So he's got to be able to lock down whoever he takes whether he's following Evans around or whether he's just taking the guy, whichever guy's on his side, he's got to he's got to have a shutdown game. It's a big, obviously big knock to our secondary now that there's a chance Abram might not play because of the whole COVID situation. But in that secondary, it's got to start with Mullen setting the tone and being just a game breaker out there. Um, i ask you a question real quick. Yes, yes.
1: If you're Gunther and we're running 6% man, who are you having Mullen match up on?
0: What I probably do is take it back to what we've discussed multiple times throughout this. And I think you, you stick him on Godwin and shut him down. And then you just bracket Evans the whole time with a safety over the top and just try to shut him down in that sense. Maybe get Isaiah Johnson out there and not obviously not one of our better corners, but dude is big dudes long. I think if he can keep up with Evans, he could, you know, especially the safety over the top, he could be physical with him. but
1: no, I I, a hundred percent agree. Sorry. I, we didn't even know you're good. No, no, you're good. That in there. And so I think that's,
0: completely what we should
1: do. I hope they do that. And I think that's spot on analysis from our Raiders defense
0: week seven analyst, Mike McDonald. (laughs) Moving on from that. Um, one thing that the offense does struggle in they are 21st in the league in their offensive lines, run blocking at the second level. So getting to the linebackers, getting to any safeties that are playing in the box, they're great at blocking that first line of defense. But they're having trouble getting to linebackers and staying on their blocks and stuff like that. So I think our linebackers could have a very big game this week, potentially. And I think that stopping the run game starts with our linebackers in Kwiatkowski and Littleton and hitting those holes, getting off those blocks and kind of taking advantage of an offensive line that's kind of you know, struggling a little bit to reach the second level. I think that, as you touched on before, one of their biggest strengths is getting a pass rush. They really threw Aaron Rodgers off his game last week. Took him down and also made him just force some things he didn't do great. I think our pass rush we have been bad this year, but we showed that they can step up. You know, the two weeks ago against the Chiefs, that was the biggest thing. Patrick Mahomes was off his game because of the pass rush. We got to have a big game, but with the uh with our two young dns covering that outside and, and kind of forcing it there, and also from our D tackles, it just collapsed the pocket because Brady's not a mobile guy. He's not. Patrick Mahomes, you get pressure on him. He can bounce it out and still make things happen. Brady's gonna be one of those guys that works efficiently within the pocket. But if you can collapse it, you can give him trouble. It's just you know people don't succeed well in giving him trouble because he's very good at adjusting with things. So I think that's gonna be a huge. I I literally just like broke down and said like every facet of our defense has to have a huge game. But I think it's all like in in little individual things. If individual people or you know certain things could happen, We could. it could go a long way in slowing down this offense, who was, like I said, one of the top 10 offenses in the league in, in points scored. So going into this week, I felt really good about, about facing Tom Brady off of a bye. Going into it with the COVID issues that we are now facing and the uncertainty that that faces, it's a little more troubling. But I think that if they can build off of that performance that they had against the Chiefs, get into it where the Lions getting pressure, they're kind of getting him off his mark, having to force some things we could see the defense kind of take advantage of some of that stuff again. So,
1: No, I agree, man. And I think that's, I know you mentioned that every facet needs a click. It does. It, it yeah. does because our defense doesn't have this overwhelming presence. So I think we do have to get to Tom Brady and he's not mobile. If we can, you know, if we can get pressure internally, if we can get pressure up the middle between the A and B gaps, then we'll succeed. I think it's a great thing to point out with their inability to get to second level. Cause then that will free up, Littleton, Kwiatkowski as well. So um I, I agree with that. I think it's it's something that, you know, what we did against Kansas City was we showed we did not show the same look in back-to-back plays for three quarters. We did not show the same coverage. You know what I'm saying? So we can go from man to zone to, you know, blitzing off the edge and things like that. And and I think we'll be able to capitalize. And it always comes down to our offense being able to sustain long drives and be able to keep them off there so then they can't. Brady is a huge rhythm guy, and he in that team, especially with so many new faces, with a new quarterback, with Gronkowski, there's a lot to adapt to. And I think that's when they've struggled. Is when they have been able to get into a good rhythm. So I agree with you there, 100%. What do you have for your predictions for this game? Just so everyone knows, it's Bucks currently. From what I have, and you might have something different, but from what I have, it's Bucks
0: are favored by four points right now on the road. What's that? Oh, sorry. I was just say that changed from what I saw. And it may have changed because of the whole COVID stuff, but it, that changed from I, what I did. saw this yeah. morning. The Raiders were, the Raiders were, uh, wait, you said the Bucks were plus four or minus four? No,
1: favored. Favored. The Bucks were favor- so, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I saw a thing that said the Raiders were favored minus three. And that was just one of those things I assume mm-hmm. because of home field advantage, you know, they're, they're getting that, that leniency.
1: It, the line has moved a ton. So I yeah. saw the Raiders favored three like you saw. I think they took into to place the 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 Bucks game and also the covid stuff. Yeah. So I think that moved the line a ton, which 7 points is a ton. So yeah. right now what I have and and we can fact check this, but right now Thursday night it's Buccaneers minus 4 on the road against Raiders. What do you have for the prediction there?
0: So, uh, like I said, you know, going into this game at the beginning of the week has changed completely just from today, um, as far as the confidence level uh, going into it. I felt very, I felt very confident that we could go in and get a win against this team because of how high powered the offense, um, you know, was last week and has been in general um, with how the defense played against Kansas City. You know, if they could build off of that, having two weeks to prepare, um, I do still believe that we will go in and we will win this game. I think it's still going to be, I think it's going to be an offensive shootout. Um, I, I feel weary about our defense just because Tom Brady's Tom Brady and he can kind of pick a pick apart any defense. And you look at the talent that he has around him and you could, you know, say that it's probably one of the top five receiving groups he's ever had, but I still think the Raiders squeeze out a win. I think they pull out a 28, 21 victory against the Bucks. Obviously them winning covers the spread, but I think they, they pull one out and it's, you know, kind of a struggle throughout the game, but they do well enough consistently and are able to keep them guessing and manufacture some points, so.
1: Love it, love that. Now, I think the Raiders covered the spread here. What I didn't mention as much as I should have in the preview is, is the Henry Ruggs factor. What the bye week allows us to do is, is if you kind of walk back a little bit, is Ruggs was questionable basically weeks two through five, right? He was questionable. He didn't play two games, got him back for two or three games. And then we got him back for the chiefs game, which he was a factor. But I think that factor was still limited in our game plan. Um, I think you see him exposed a lot, which we might touch on a little bit later, Mm -hmm. but you see him incorporated in the offense a lot more. You see some more quick rhythm things for him. Maybe it's bubble screens, quick hitters to get him there. And then also deep shots down the field. So I think because of that, I feel good, dude. I, I feel yeah. great about what are, what where we're at and I, I even think like the COVID thing is I think it could be something where we're playing the game as a non-issue. It could be something where we're like, yeah, like our offensive line's out there. They didn't have a ton of practice, but they're they're all in tuned and had enough prep time to be ready for this game. So they don't I don't think they need the practice field time necessarily for it. So
0: yeah. Um and go ahead. They, uh, I, I was also gonna say just piggybacking off of what you said, I think this could go a long way in kind of showing the depth that the Raiders do have and that they are more, more of a, you know, solid team than just, you know, this up and coming young team. It's like with this core offensive line, even if these backups have to play or, you know, half of the backups have to play. Um, I think this could go a long way in showing like, damn, they got some depth. They got some continuity. They got the ability to adjust on the fly and still go out there and, you know, beat one of the better teams in the league. So. Absolutely.
1: So that's why I, you know, I, I had a hard time because I was like, man, I, I don't know what my success has been like outside of the Panthers game, <laughs> picking the Raiders to win. Um, but I'm, I'm good with it. I'm on a roll with it. I think the Raiders win 27, 24. Um, I think it's a tough game. I think we battle. I think it, it could be a, a late touchdown. It could be Raiders down 24, 20. And we have a last four minute drive, whatever you want to call it. But I think we we're going to play them tough for the majority of it. I, I'm going to knock on wood for a second. I don't think this is a game where we get down early and often and we're like, maybe we have to play catch up. The only way that happens, is if the Bucks generate it on their defense side, which you saw in the Packers game, And I think a lot of people are writing off the fact that the game was 38 to, what was it? 38 to 20, 38, 14. Wait, what Packers uh, game? Or 38, 10. 38, 10. Yeah. It was 10, nothing Packers. Yeah. It was 10, nothing Packers. And maybe I have a source. Maybe I checked it myself. The Buccaneers were plus 700 to win that game after the Packers scored 10 unanswered points to start the game. Okay. So it wasn't this Buccaneers just rolled these dudes. It was a pick six. It was a pick on the next drive. They got up early. Then they shut down Aaron Rodgers for the rest of the game. So I'm not going to say that DC is just better than Aaron Rodgers and he's going to outdo all these guys and whatever, but I think our offense schematically is able to adjust and adapt in the right way and be able to not get in this like, quick three and outs where we take shots on the field shots on the field shots on the field and we have to punt i don't think that's going to be the case i think we stick with these guys i think we have a chance to execute later and i really feel good about us coming out with a victory and i think we should i think we need to yeah i think this is a big game for us with a lot of adversity um, with the COVID stuff with the are you sure that these guys are good yet kind of thing with the chiefs win because a lot of it was based off of how the chiefs Underprepared, didn't show up for the Raiders. Is that the other? Yeah, whatever. I don't care. I don't don't care. So I feel like Raiders 27 24. That's my prediction. If I curse the Raiders because I picked them, I'll own up to it. But I really think this is a game that we're gonna be in. We're gonna have a chance to win, and that's where I'm
0: gonna stand. So well, and you know that that Packers game was like we touched on earlier, nothing but Tom Brady witchcraft. So uh, I think that's not only all of the statistics starting in nineteen seventy seven that I threw at you, but pure witchcraft. Yep, Among and where the was the Sunday game played? Game.
1: It was played in Florida. It was played in Florida, which played a lot in, of what your facts were, even though they're witchcraft facts, it was, it was based it off of the local. central location yeah. of where he was residing. You're coming to Vegas, bro. You're coming yeah. to Vegas, and we got a lot to prove. So, yeah, you better tighten your shoelaces there, homeboy. Well,
0: a lot more witchcraft in Sin City <laughs> than you're bringing. So, <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, we can move on from there. You want to? Uh, we'll move into our mortal locks of the week. Uh, we got those coming up right now. You know. It's a, uh, it's a big week. Um, I found it a little hard this week, kind of finding something that I kind of liked. I'll kick it over you to start it. What, you you want me to start it? No, I'll start. I I, I was, I'm like, I'm feeling the same thing too. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. It was like rough looking at it and just, you know, trying, you know, finding something you felt confident in. And, you know, I felt, I found a lot of things that I felt ballsy about. (laughs) I didn't necessarily feel like super confident, but um, I'll let, I'll let you start it off. If you pick mine, I will. Uh, I'll definitely have to <laughs> scatter to uh, to find the next one. But uh, well, that, yeah, well,
1: that's the risk, right? Yeah. That's oh, risk it's absolutely there is when you let me go first. So yeah, um, but I, I looked at the same, and and so we are consummate professionals. Okay, we are obviously professional podcasters. So when I'm prepping, it, it's just a lot of X's and O's. It's a lot of like diving into personnel groups. I'm like, oh, this is what the matchup is when we roll in. Foster Moreau and Waller, or Witten and Waller, whatever. So I dive into that stuff from a prep standpoint. And then I'm like, well, let me just pick my moral log. Mm-hmm. Somehow the most anxiety I have on Sunday after releasing this episode is about my moral log. And it's about like, man, I put this out there because there's the potential yeah. that in hundred million, maybe 40 people that listen to this podcast <laughs> actually be like, Hey, I'm going to put my money on that. I feel yeah, great about it. So it's
0: the reliability you feel and and you know responsibility yeah. you feel to listeners.
1: That's what I'm saying, And it's it's extreme ownership, is what I try to take with this stuff. So I'm like, okay. So I'm looking at the slate, like you mentioned. I'm like, ugh. I'm like, I don't see a ton. Like, I don't see a lot that I feel good about. It's like, could I see the Bills beating the Jets by more than 13 and a half points? Yeah, <laughs> I, I could see them kicking their ass, the dolphins beat them like by it was 24-nothing. What I ended up deciding was, and this is a callback to our um, earlier release this week, I have the Cowboys Ooh. minus one against the Washington football team the mm. r words previously there it's it 's minus one, so minus one's a pick em. okay mm-hmm. how many games do you really see that 's decided by a point outside of the Thursday Night football game tonight if you are tuning in later? Not a ton right so when I see minus one i 'm like, okay, pick them. would I flex it if I was choosing to bet on it, which i don't I would, but i 'm not. And I won't. It's to me, it's one of those things where I'm like, sure. The Cowboys looked bad. They looked bad on Monday night at home against the Cardinals. Good team. But the Cowboys should have been a lot closer in that game. They should have at least showed up. Maybe think about it. Maybe think about showing up Monday night, the week after you lose Dak Prescott and everyone's saying Andy Dalton's the greatest, perfect backup, whatever. What this comes down to is the fact that the Cowboys, they're just a, better team. They are so much better than the R words. And really I based it off of like, this is a legit, a legit can't lose. Okay. It's it's either a must win Mm -hmm. or it's a can't lose. This is a can't lose. You cannot lose this game in Washington. No fans. They might have some fans. I don't know what the state regulations are there, but you can't lose this game. And they have so many weapons on offense. Andy Dalton figure it out. Ezekiel Elliott, stop fumbling the ball defense. Show up, maybe talk about how you plan on covering people this game. At the end of the day, you're going against Kyle Allen. You're going against an offense that doesn't have a ton of weapons outside my boy Scary Terry. Please show up in fantasy, but don't cover the spread, if that's okay. Do you mind not doing that? Cool. Show up, hundred yards, get the pay dirt up to you. The R words do not have a ton of a ton of weapons on offense. Their defensive line is good, secondary is not. So I think the Cowboys. It might not look good. It might not be pretty. They're going to win. Give them three points. Give them four points. I don't care. 24-20. Just win the game by more than one. Get the RTP readers, listeners, subscribers, raters, whatever you want. rate oh,
0: Ooh, good. All pun intended. And almost
1: caught, you know, was intertwined. Get them back on my team because that freaking Ravens non-cover still hurts. <laughs> I was... And deep. I went into it last time. I'm not going to get much into it, but I'm like, you're up so much. You're up so much. The Eagles, they just like came back to beat the Giants, the taunted Giants. Thursday night football, spoiler alert. But, anyways, get back to me. I need to get over 500. I'm three and three. I'm three and three. This is not good. This is not good. But Cowboys minus one on the road against the Reds, not the Reds against the our words. Hopefully, the Red Dogs or the Red Wolves pass it to you, Mortal Lock cannot wait to root against kind of four, but mostly against this pick of yours.
0: Breath of fresh air. When you said you picked that one, because like I said, looking at it, I, my problem is I, I think kind of like you were, you were getting at, I look at these spreads and I, I purely, purely pick off of first reaction emotions and zero facts. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go into it with like a few little justification points, but that's about it. It's like, That doesn't seem right to me. That seems off. That seems like that shouldn't even be a question. And for mine, I am picking the Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints, where the New Orleans Saints, from what I'm reading and what I'm looking at, are minus seven and a half favorites to the Panthers. Whether that's changed, I'm not positive. But I look at that team that still does not have Michael Thomas, who's supposed to be popped up with a hamstring injury, not going to have him there. Drew Brees, that has looked very rough at times, looking like maybe he doesn't have it anymore, uh, did have you know a good comeback win against the Chargers, but that was to be expected for whatever reason. Uh, I think the people who set these lines, they are really underestimating Teddy Two Gloves and Christian McCaffrey's backup, Mike Davis, who... How at your boy? I've been doing good on my fantasy team. I need you to do some more. But that's I look at it. Wise,
1: by the way, is he goes by Christian McCaffrey's backup?
0: Yeah, that's that's his first name. His last name is Mike Davis. First name exactly. Christian McCaffrey's yeah. backup. Last name <laughs> Mike Davis. <laughs> so I look at it and I'm like, the Saints have been struggling. They're going to be missing their their number one wide receiver. The Panthers, I think they're one of the better bad teams. And I think that yes, they will probably lose this game. I wholeheartedly believe it's going to be within a touchdown or less. I, I don't think that Saints are going to, to blow them out. And yeah, maybe that could potentially happen. And the Saints who weren't who we thought they were, and the Panthers were who we thought they were. But I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't think the Panthers are more than a touchdown worse at the moment than the Saints are. So I'm not saying they're going to win, but I definitely think they can cover losing by a touchdown or less. So can I? Can I pander a little bit? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs>
1: If the saints were one point less favored, I was taking them. If it was six and a half, I was taking them.
0: You were taking the saints to cover. Yeah. Oh, <laughs>
1: um, and and, that, and that's okay. And I think yeah. that's, what's great about this, but yeah. we don't share these things with each yeah, other. This is the reason. This is the right. reason we don't. So I had, I'm going to say this right now. I had the Cardinals on fraud alert. Yes. Like you mentioned, they're not frauds. It was just alert. <laughs> hey,
0: Mm-mm. could yeah. be
1: frauds. Yeah. Maybe check this Maybe. out. Maybe stop doing what you're doing. And they stopped. The three and two Panthers. Three and two? Three and three?
0: Three and three, I believe. Okay, whatever they are. The Panthers are frauds. Oh.
1: They are not good. Oof. Sorry. I'm but, not gonna talk myself into the fact that that roster is legit. But no, ain't that, do it.
0: That's why I'm ain't trying to say. Do it. That's what I'm trying to say. They're they're one of the better bad teams. Like they are a bad team, but they're playing good right now and they are and i i think that regardless of you know, whether you think a team's good or a team's bad you got to look at whether they can cover and i think they can cover. agreed agreed and
1: i'm only saying this because i'm currently trailing you in the moral locks but <laughs> would you be would you be more surprised with the saints winning 30 to 17 or the saints winning 24 21 because that still covers for you which is your point
0: yeah i would be more i would be more surprised if the Saints won thirty to seventeen because I think that. I love it. Stand I, on it, dude. Yeah, well, because I think that. <laughs> I think that against against that defense, I, I think the Panthers easily put up more than seventeen points. I don't know. Panthers, I mean, Panthers are frauds. Panthers are frauds. All right, like, that's that's perfectly fine. I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I don't like. I said, don't think they'll win this game. I think that. Look at how the Saints seem to be mediocre slash struggling slash maybe you know starting to gain it back a little bit and the panthers mm-hmm. are kind of riding a hot hand you ride that hot hand until that hot hand fucks you so i hate a little, hot <laughs> hand. <laughs> that's a little aggressive sorry we'll no it's okay I, th- sorry, I think mom.
1: yeah i didn't say it mom just so you know <laughs> um no i'm good with it i i just wanted to to kind of you know yeah I love that. A little bit, I love know? that
0: that you're right there on possibly taking the
1: Saints and just. Well, it was because, like we talked about, the other games were just like, ooh, you know. So yeah, yeah. All good, all good. When you said it, I was like, we got something here.
0: I've also seen myself starting to kind of lean towards dogs of games. So I think maybe that's why I was looking at it, saying it's hard to pick because I'm looking at it I was like, I don't trust any of these underdogs. But yeah. Anyways, huge dog guy. We, we shall move on. Cool. Uh,
1: Well, there's our mortal locks. If you're, you know, keeping track at home, roll with Micah. You're going to be 50 50 with me right now. Roll with Micah. He's got the Panthers plus seven and a half. I have the Cowboys against the R words minus one on the road. We'll see how it shapes out. I actually do like the weeks where we both get it right. I think last week was the only week that one of, or both of us didn't get it. So I think it's positive. Um, hopefully we're creating good content for you guys. So shall we move on? Shall we get into our closing segment of the listener questions? Well, good. So I'm going to, you know, roll with the first couple questions here. Um, we might have some new blood. We might have some new, some new, um, competition for B Bauer and Cubboy. We got a jam packed questionnaire from one of our favorite listeners, Tate Ditto, I don't know what his handle is, but he said, it's time to step up. It's time to put myself out there. Um, So he got into our mentions. Um, I'm a huge, huge Twitter guy. So he sent a couple questions. I'm going to rattle them off to you if you're good with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Shoot them. All
1: righty. Number one, is Henry Ruggs a start or sit for this week in fantasy?
0: So this is going to kind of date back to what you were talking about earlier and maybe it's my optimism maybe it's you know me starting him this week too but I think he is a starter especially if you have a pretty solid receiving group and you're using him as a number two or number three or maybe in a flex position I think this is the week with potential issues at offensive line that Gruden gets really creative in scheming plays to his players and getting Henry Ruggs more involved whether that's on the sweeps you see him motion to a lot, whether that's little bubble screens, whether it's just trying to get it to him, or whether that's just, you know, trying to hit him deep on a 72-yard bomb. I think they're going to scheme him in more. I think they're starting to work towards getting him a lot more involved. And this week on trying to counteract a defensive line that is very aggressive and very good, like you said, on top of potentially not having a full strength offensive line. I think that works in his favor in the sense of getting more scheme efficient as opposed to putting him out there to run people off or try to hit him on a big play or do whatever. I think they scheme more towards get you know getting him the ball. So I say start him because I am Love starting it. him.
1: <laughs> Love it. Um no I mean, I think if you're in the situation where cuz this is probably where Henry Ruggs is for the majority of the fans is he's in your flex appeal. So he's someone where you have two solidified receivers and you're like man do I want to rock a running back because it's more you know, it's higher ceiling or sorry, higher floor with running backs where you know they're gonna get touches, you know they're gonna be incorporated, and and he's a boomer bust kind of guy. Like you mentioned, more involved in the game plan. I do think that we incorporate him a lot more. I think he gets his touches. I think he gets more than his three or four targets that he's been averaging this whole year. Um, I'm starting him. I'm starting him in the flex. I don't have him, but I would if I were you. So start him, ditto, love that. Um, second question, and this is a big one. You had ordered a Taco Bell. You had made an order of Taco Bell when the Raiders play the Chiefs.
0: Yes, I mentioned I mentioned uh, stress eating Taco Correct. Bell. Correct. That's healthy. Okay, I don't care who you are.
1: That's healthy. That was, as I mentioned, something that you have to do forever, every Raider game until it's proven wrong. So now, because the flex game, you can't lock that in for a dinner time. Now we're at one hundred and five. Big dog. Yeah, big dog. That's
0: perfect lunch time.
1: Perfect lunch time.
0: What was your order for your
1: Taco Bell? And we are going to assume, as I do not like to do, we're going to assume that you're going to do this just to stay true and not Gucci curse us. But what was your order for the Chiefs Raiders Taco Bell sesh? And what is it going to look like on Sunday? Please advise.
0: Okay, so um, the interesting little wrinkle in this situation is that this order was altered a little bit from what I normally get. The reason being is that, you know, me and my girlfriend were getting ready to watch the game. We were talking about doing Taco Bell for lunch and the topic of just getting nachos in general came up because it's something we could share.
1: Don't do this. Would
0: be, would be good. I do not want to get triggered
1: about nachos again.
0: (laughs) So what we did is normally I get three, normally I get three items, sometimes more. Uh, I'll go pretty solid with two steak chalupas, add nacho cheese. Sometimes you get rid of the lettuce because it's just kind of everywhere. Sometimes you, you know, I usually keep the shredded cheese, but maybe not when I'm driving, you know, that's a little, that's a little issue, but we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about game day. So normally I get two chalupas, steak chalupas, add nacho cheese, and then usually either a steak quesarito or a crunchwrap supreme. Those are usually, you know, two chalupas for sure. And then one of those. Well, because the idea of nachos was brought up, I was like, yeah, that sounds really good. Let's get the nacho party box that is meant for three or four people. Because when you tell me normally three or four people are supposed to eat this, I say challenge accepted and try to finish it on my own. But then I was also like, all right, well, yeah, obviously I'm like, all right, you know, girlfriend was having some too. That's two people easily going to finish that. So it was a little wonky because I got my two chalupas steak chalupas with the nacho cheese, but we also ordered a ginormous box of nachos. And the fact that I have to do that every time now, if they continue to win, when I do that, you know, I'm willing to make these sacrifices for the team. And it may be something that I have to struggle through, but damn it, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to get a W. So that's what my order was that game day. It, like I said, it was a little off kilter from my standard Taco Bell order, but nonetheless, that's what I got. That's what I'm going to get this week. We'll see how it works. Kind of
1: saved yourself there. Because if you were gonna <laughs> tell me that you only got
0: the chalupas
1: <laughs> and the Quesarito and the crunch the crunch wrap, I was about to skip all of them. I was about to virtually approach you. Yeah. Um, but I think that's still a great order. I think there's still room for happiness and being able to um, accommodate the girlfriend as that is a major factor, major factor, major I factor in this. So glad you're sticking to it. I will, I would imagine if you don't do it, we're going to lose. And, and I think you should tell the fans before, if you don't end up doing it when you execute it, I think it's important to voice it to the crowd. Um, maybe get it out on Twitter and say, Hey, I just want to let you guys know I got my Twitter or comment Twitter. I got my Taco Bell order down. We're good. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing.
0: A slight wrinkle with that is that girlfriend's going to be out of town on Sunday. So I'm going to have to finish that whole nacho by myself. And that's where, that's where taking one from the team comes into play. So, but that's also where you say,
1: "Challenge accepted."
0: Challenge, act, fucking accepted. Thank you. Good stuff.
1: I mean, great. I feel great about that now. Yeah. Bonnie, I hope whatever you're doing is great and fun. But now, Micah has the ability to execute this in a lot less of um, adverse times.
0: Yeah, if she made but- it this far into the podcast, <laughs> phenomenal.
1: Um, okay, third question, and this one's. This one's out there. This mm-hmm. one is... We're kind of cutting the core a little bit. From at Ditto T8. People are saying that I'm beating B. Bauer for Listener of the Year. Listener of the Year. Raider Take Podcast, Listener of the Year. RT Plotty to some. Please advise. That was what he said. What I'm going to start this by saying that shot's fired. That is shots and fired. B. Bauer did say... You come with the king, you best not miss mm-hmm. Okay. in response to this. I will also say there's a little bit of a PMness to it. There's a little bit of a take quake going on. He does not even address Cubboy.
0: Oh, yeah. Cubboy's is a non-factor too, Mr. Ditto.
1: That's alarming. That's um, almost
0: where the most contention is, the fact that he just correct. bypassed
1: that. But he. But I think also that speaks to his willingness to put himself out there and say, I'm going for this. I don't even care about his in second. B. Bowers in second. I'm in first. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts there about what Ditto said about beating out B. Bower RTP, listener of the year?
0: My first initial reaction was like, like you said, wow, a lot of shots fired on there. Very interesting. I think that it's obviously you can't disregard what B. Bauer has done to date. I don't, I wouldn't say beating him out for RT Pilate of the year. I would say that he's very much very much putting his name in the running for sure he's getting in there i mean to shoot out a three now for everybody that may not have seen the tweet not only did he put out three questions in one but he even added b bauer in that so he he even threw it out there and said hey coming for the throne just so you know this is out there so that shows tenacity and wanting to force his way to the top get up there Uh, i wouldn't say that he's beating him out i would say that there's definitely some pressure. There's definitely some pressure being put at it. Um, there's definitely a hot seat, if you will, for B. Bowers' heels. What is your thoughts?
1: I agree. I mean, I think that you come with the king, you best not miss, right? And I don't think you missed, but I don't know if he landed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think you got to earn it. And this is a big, you know, we get a ton of questions, man. Like we get a ton of things that we got to factor in. And but what we try to incorporate is everyone's overall love you know, really aggressive nature towards wanting this, right? It, it, there's a big thing about, you know, thinking it's nice and wanting it to be true. And I think that's how we separate these things. So when Ditto came out, I was like, oh, okay, this guy's got some things, right? He's got some things going. I don't think it takes B Bauer off the throne. No hmm. shot. Yeah. I don't even think he supplants Cubboy. Hmm. I don't think so. Yeah. If he, but if he keeps going... If he keeps going a little bit, so that's why I'm going to say, and that's why I pointed it to, I'm like, you nailed it. I think we got B. Bauer and Cowboy on the hot seat. Yeah. Okay, and because it's like, you know, it was a two man race for a while. It was two man race for a while, but now there's a third. There's a third guy entering here. Mm-hmm. It could be a gal. Whoever wants to join. Okay, um, so I think I, I wouldn't say he has supplanted him by any means. I, mean, I wouldn't. I think he's threatening. I think he's threatening him hard. And I and I think it's something to consider. If you're B. Bauer, if you're Cowboy, I'd listen. I'd listen, because from our vantage point, it's not safe. It's a long season, boys. Yeah, these um, two streets
0: are rough. So That's
1: right. So before, and I know you have the last question yeah, that you're going to close this out on. I do have, I had a late entry. Oh, wow. Okay, I had a late entry question, if you're okay with me rolling this out. Mm-hmm. Okay. This was from at Gator. She, because once again, he or she, whoever wants to join. She said, first of all, did you watch the Thursday night game?
0: I watched some of it. I I didn't watch much of it. Uh, If you didn't, and and I
1: didn't watch a ton of it either, had some tubby time duties, had some dad duties, you know, I got a child. It's okay. Mm -hmm. There's also the presidential debate. If you got caught up with that, no big deal. If you miss the presidential debate, you have one guy that can't stop talking. You have another guy that doesn't know how to formulate sentences. So pick your poison there. Not a politics podcast, but just saying. Thursday night, Eagles, Giants, Daniel Jones runs a read option. Okay. And he's gone legit, like had three receivers in the right and they just flooded the left side of the field. Daniel Jones, read option to the left, keeps it, runs up the right hash, gone. No one in front of him. Okay. No one even considering or threatening him. He tripped over himself. He was running (laughs) so hard and focusing. You have to watch it. So now everyone that's listening, especially you, Micah, he just tripped over himself at the 20 yard line. So it's not like, Oh, he got to the 50 and whatever he was gone. Okay. So this listener at Gator was like, that was embarrassing. That was so bad. So on a scale, now that you've heard it on a scale of one, to smoke Mondays name, how bad was that? That was, that was her question.
0: Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Well, I think that if smoke Monday is a 10, and not that bad is obviously a zero. I think that he's at a 15, which is where smoke today sits. <laughs> so I think that his name has surpassed surpassed the 10 and hit smoke today, which was obviously more ridiculous.
1: That's all we needed. Man, that was good. That's exactly <laughs> my thoughts there. Um, if you hadn't watched it, please watch it. They end up scoring a touchdown, but that's fine. He just tripped over himself. It was just classic white guy. Like, man, you're looking so good. And then you just don't. Okay. Thanks for taking that. It was an ad lib. Please close us out with the last question. So we wrap this thing up.
0: Yeah, we got one more question and we can kind of get after a little bit, cruise through it and we'll wrap everything up. But uh, we had a submission by no other than second to none on the RT Plotty list, uh, B Bauer, one and only first guest sent in a question saying, Hey, RTP, which current NFL player do you see being an NFL coach someday? Your thoughts? Ooh, I mean, that's a good,
1: that's a good cue. It's a good question. And, and, you know, this podcast is kind of going a little bit towards, towards Zitto for a little bit. And then, you know, Bauer kind of stepped in there. So I like, I like the question. I like where he's at. I think I'm going to get, I'm going to get a little, a little creative here and I'm going to go Josh McCount. Josh McCount is a current NFL player.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: As we've mentioned before, technically. He's a player. He is also technically on the practice squad for a team as an emergency quarterback. So technically an NFL player, his path to the NFL is going to be five years, 10 years. He's going to be quarterbacks coach. He's going to be a offensive coordinator or, or whatever, you know, like a assistant to the offensive coordinator. He's going to work his way up. Josh McCown is going to be an NFL coach at some point just watch it. He's still in the league. He's old. I get it. That was kind of a cheat answer there, but from my vantage point, that's who the guy is. My thoughts wrapped it up. What do you think?
0: So that very good answer. I had a hard time thinking about this. And I think, I think the easy route is not the easy route, but really the almost the only route to find somebody like reasonable to answer this question is going towards the quarterback side of things because you look at it in someone that who better to essentially teach your quarterback and, you know, your group of quarterbacks, how to play quarterback than someone that played in the league, you know, that definitely helps. I honestly, I had a very tough time with this question. Um, My first impact thought was potentially Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he just will never not play quarterback for the rest of his life. And he's almost been a quarterbacks coach his whole life, rocking in that backup and then, you know, kind of filling in different spots. I just think he'll never not be in the NFL somewhere, you know? So it would be hard to bring in a 60 year old guy that just retired from the NFL as your quarterbacks coach on the realistic side of things. I thought, you know, I thought that someone, I could see someone like Andy Dalton potentially becoming a, uh, a coach quarterbacks coach and maybe working into offensive coordinator, I guess, I just think he's one of those guys that you know was on the precipice of be you know potentially being one of the better quarterbacks in the league at one point. I think he's a very smart guy. I think he probably learn learns very easily the ins and outs. Can teach the ins and outs of things, and just seems like someone who could very well kind of transition that thing. You know, he's had enough success in the league to you know show his worth. He's not so much of a superstar like a uh, Drew Brees or a Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers were like, they have no reason to go coaching for any, you know, they'll just, they can just sit on the beach for the rest of their life, you know, and not have to worry about that ever again. Not that Andy Dalton needs money or anything like that, but I can see him transitioning into something like that just to still be around the game of football. So that's my answer.
1: No, I love Fitzpatrick was up there, but he's also <laughs> just made so much money.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Harvard, yeah. it's like The dude's not going to have, it's like, like yeah. you mentioned, it, it's all about necessity and do they, need another job. Did it need more income? Yeah. Everyone always needs more income, but is it an actual like factor? So I agree with that. Um, he was number two. Yeah. I just decided to cheat no. a little bit and go yeah. and count. who's never been a first round pick, never been a full on starter where he got that, you know, extra contract. So that's, that's my answer. That's cool. where
0: we're at. Well, we had a big episode, big jam packed episode for everyone. Um, we appreciate all the love. Once again, we appreciate all the questions sent in. Please. At any point during the week, you know, we read the questions on the preview pod, but at any point in the week, DM us, tag us. You know, I usually post something on Twitter, on the Raider Take podcast, Twitter account at Take Raider. You can comment below there. Get your questions in. We love them. We love hearing from everybody. Love new blood coming in like we had this week. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Facebook, wherever you see it. Uh, You know, get some eyes on the podcast. Share the links, you know, spread the word. Tell the people, tell, you know, tell your friends. Don't hide your wives, hide your kids, tell them, let them know. Once again, appreciate it all. And, uh, hopefully the Raiders can, you know, pull out a win this week. And it was, uh, it was fun wrapping it up with you. and yep. see I'm excited, see man. On. As yeah. long as you,
1: as long as you order that Taco Bell, I think we're good. Yes. I think i are going to picture that.
0: We're going to picture of that Taco Bell out. And please, if you have not heard from me or seen anything on Twitter by 1245, one o'clock about my Taco Bell order, please, please, please reach out and just give me a, a, a virtual slap in the face because that needs to happen, and I will try to be on top of it. So. I don't know. Cool. All right, man. Good stuff. Love you guys. Love See you me. next time. Appreciate it.